0: hi and welcome to the scientist podcast where we bring you the research community like you've never heard it before Today on episode 12, we are speaking to Zara, a 25-year-old PhD candidate from Pakistan, who has amassed over 10,000 followers on Twitter and created a blog with over 700 posts. If you enjoy this podcast and want to hear more from us, you can head to www.scientist.net forward slash pages forward slash podcast or search The Scientist Podcast on all major podcast apps. Everyone and welcome to the Scientist podcast. Uh, today we are speaking to Zara, a PhD student who is going to be telling us about his experiences in academia and what the life of a PhD student is like in Pakistan. Zara, could you please introduce yourself?
1: Good, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Zara Zulaidin, and I am a PhD student at the National University of Sciences and Technology in Islamabad, Pakistan. And Basically, I am doing my PhD in chemical engineering with a specialization in membrane for gas separation purposes. And um, my focus is mainly on that. And moreover, I have also other interests, uh, research interests as well. I have really uh, extensive interests as when it comes to uh, astronomy, for example, which is quite a very fascinating topic, I think so, I also study on that as well on my free time, of course. And uh, other than that, I have complete I did my initial education because my father is, uh, is a, was in the Pakistan Army. He is a retired army officer. so my overall educational journey has spanned throughout the country because of you know being posted at different locations. So that is uh, how my initial life had gone. And after for the past eight years or so, I have been in the same city because I've been studying in this institute for eight years at the National University of Sciences and Technologies. So that is pretty much uh,
0: Do you you think sort of traveling around has given you lots of different perspectives uh, on your research or have you found it's just sort of it's solidified what you wanted to research.
1: But uh, because of uh, traveling around a lot, I have met many different people, had def- many different experiences, definitely. And because of those different experiences, I my vision has broadened. Because when I uh, when I was younger, I would have uh, had a different perspective of what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted to do when I when I uh, went out into the real world, when I went to, went out into the Practical life, and uh, slowly, gradually, as more and more people came into contact with me, my experiences broadened. So now, uh, after that, definitely, dif- different perspectives have come to me. The chemical engineering was definitely not on my cards for quite some time. Uh, it was on- it only came into uh, my uh, my understanding or my knowledge once I came into high school. So that was a very, before that I had many different experiences so I can say that due to travelling I have gained lots of experience and lots of know-how of how the world works which has helped me to shape how I am today.
0: What what was it that initially sparked your interest in chemical engineering?
1: Uh, Actually uh, my main concern has always been uh, like I'm working on membranes for gas separation which is basically the Uh, mitigation and uh, prevention of uh, carbon emissions into the atmosphere by stopping them at the core that is the production where the well and the gas wells so my main focus has always been on how to reduce the carbon emissions because we have always heard about global warming climate change those buzzwords so those buzzwords have always uh, sparked my interest and I've always thought more towards what actually is global warming how can we mitigate it how can we prevent it how can we reduce its speed because the rate at which the climate is changing it could be very it could pose very drastic problems in the future therefore i have always thought of it in that way and my even during my initial chemical engineering years that was my main focus it, although I had not studied about uh, global warming and carbon emissions until I reached my master's with, for my master's thesis, so that is where it all started, but my interest has been on this topic for quite some time.
0: And, and I can, from sort of the sound of what, of what you research, you're going to be, you're very busy, but I also see you write, you write your blogs. Um, why and when did you start writing these?
1: i actually my main uh, i did not have any purpose for writing my blogs actually uh, just some you know when you are free when you are uh, right sitting alone you have a lot of thoughts going through your mind and instead of uh, you know letting those thoughts fester in your mind for longer periods of time you you'd rather write them down and just put them out into the world. So uh, that's what I've been doing. And I started my blog back in May or April 2018. So it's been going on mm-hmm. for two years now. That So I've been writing that. Uh, initially, I had no objective of what my blog would be like, uh, what it would be, uh, what it would cover, what topics it would cover. I had no technical... Side in the blog, I did not want to touch upon science because I knew that my blog would go into the public. Definitely I, my relatives or my friends and family, people who, whom I know, um, they would not be much interested in reading about research. Uh, so I wanted to keep it lighthearted while also keeping it informative and get, so that people can take away a lesson from or something to think about. Because I've uh, always had lots to think about in my life other than even other than research and studies
0: and have you found it's benefited your research since having this um blog is it sort of just just you're just those distractions from everyday life have they been less
1: it's uh, definitely helped me because when you're uh, sitting down uh, and thinking about what you've gone through because i write a post every day a short post every day so it's like a summary of my day so, but, so it has helped me in a way because, I, uh, because I, whenever I sit down and start writing, I recap the whole day. And in this way I can take away uh, something, some new lesson, something to learn from every single day. So this is how it has shaped day by day, it has shaped my uh, character or my personality as a whole.
0: And I can see from your blogs that religion is something that's very important to you. Does this have an impact on how you approach your research? Uh,
1: religion is definitely a personal choice, and, uh, and the fa- how it uh, affects my research is that it has uh, given me steadfastness in what I uh, what I do in my life. Because of course, uh, research is a, a thing which requires lots of perseverance. We have all heard about that. All, all famous cliché kind of saying that research is 99% perspiration and just 1% inspiration. So in that 99% perspiration time, you tend to get bogged down, you tend to go low in your motivation. So that is where religion has helped me because my steadfastness uh, due to my belief in, the, in my religion has always helped me to, uh, go forward in my research
0: um and did you always want to do a phd um and and if so was it always was it was always going to be in pakistan or did you ever consider sort of going to a different country to do it uh,
1: first of all i had never actually thought that i'd be doing a phd mm-hmm. that is one thing i had actually thought that i i uh, do my bachelor's in chemical engineering like and, and like every young uh, chemical engineer i wanted to go in a you know well-paid uh, oil and gas job, or probably uh, uh, FMCG job, fast-moving chemical consumer jobs. So I wanted to go to some kind of that kind of place. But once I started my, uh, during my third year of undergraduate studies, I did um, internship. And there I found that, res- uh, that uh, being in an environment of industry is not to my interest. Because when you're in an industry, you're just looking after a machine that's running, that has been running before you, that will, be run, keep, will keep running after you. So that was, didn't interest me much. So I was thinking, I put my mind to it, thought, how can I uh, approach, how can you, I use my knowledge differently? And uh, of course, the thought, thought that came to my mind, that struck my mind was, that the best uh, way to use my knowledge would be to go into higher studies, to gain more knowledge and maybe find a way to find a lasting solution to problems because there are many problems within the industry which I had encountered during my internship. That That is how I came into the, uh, the uh, first research. research and when I found uh, ma- uh, going into master's studies, I found that uh, master's is just going to be a bridge between undergraduate and phd so i had to do a phd and of course after phd i would further incre- uh, use that knowledge to uh, solve actual problems and uh, your second part was how yes uh, as for whether i wanted to do it only in pakistan or abroad uh, i have uh, thought about doing it abroad as well and in fact, uh, come to think of it, uh, it's, I'm not going to stay in Pakistan for long. Definitely I will be endeavouring abroad, hopefully in the UK, hopefully in Australia, USA, Canada, many options as well. So and there's always a strive to go for better. And that's definitely in me as well. And I will endeavour for that.
0: What well, What's making you want to, uh, potentially branch out to another country?
1: Uh, the fa- first of all, the, the main thing that we would like to go to another country would be that I feel that I have a lot of ideas, but those ideas are very much hindered by the economics of the situation, or economics of my country, of course and um, the fact that whenever you have an idea you approach your supervisor or your professors with that idea they will always ask you how much does it cost would it be feasible to even research on that topic these kinds of things hinder a lot in a country like pakistan but when you go abroad like for example if i would be in uk there would be a lot more opportunities especially as, when it comes to infrastructure, infrastructure is much more developed over there. That is one point that I have always thought would help me, and of course, the, uh, the polishing of my idea would be much more uh, pronounced. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and and how would you explain um, sort of the academic landscape in Pakistan? So a, a lot of our, our listeners will know what it's like in in UK, USA, but some people may have never sort of come across what academia is like in Pakistan, how would you explain it? Uh,
1: if, uh, if I take you through a rundown of how academia works in Pakistan from the grassroots level, for example, elementary level. So there are from the elementary stage, our children are kind, so kind of divided into different educational boards. Like you, you have GCSEs over there. We also have IGCSEs over here, international GCSEs. So inter- IGCSCs are like uh, the same Cambridge exams are taken over here as well. And that is also a board of education which is practiced over here, apart from the local board of education. So our education system is quite uh, divisive as well as divided in it. In, quite a lot of terms. But once we go into university, all those different boards of education just combine into one. And we reach a kind of an international platform. Just like any other university in the world, Pakistani universities are also top, uh, top class or of a quality that they would be able to communicate to the international world as well. So this this is how the landscape is that there is a lot of division within the elementary or grassroots levels, but when it goes into higher education, that's where the level we uh, gain a footing, which is at par with other countries as well.
0: Is is academia very competitive at that higher education level? And sort of, like are there more people doing PhDs sort of year on year?
1: Uh, PhD candidates are not very much. There, there's a, quite a shortage of PhDs, PhDs in Pakistan. But uh, when it comes to uh, undergraduate or postgraduate or master's level students, there is a lot of uh, competition in the, on, on that level. And, but that competition just stops at that level because after that, most people would like to go for a job to, um, to uh, earn uh, employment and all that. And they don't really. Um, go towards phd because there were because there are not many incentives if i be uh, honest with you uh, the, there are not many incentives for a phd uh, candidate in pakistan uh,
0: is that a lot due to the funding that you were speaking about earlier that people know they can only get to like a, a certain level if they stay in the, stay in pakistan
1: yes definitely the funding shortage or the shortage of funding opportunities is definitely is definitely a barrier when it comes to people who want to uh, who would like to pursue a phd and everyone who wants to do a phd would rather be financially stable before they go into a phd like uh, i presume that in other countries a phd is like a full-time job you're actually doing work and you're getting paid for it but in my, in our uh, culture in our research culture, PhD is not that much like that. Like that, I may be a PhD candidate now, I'm not a, no, no more a student, but I am still treated as a student. And uh, there, therefore, this is kind of a barrier which hinders many people going into the PhDs and higher education, staying within Pakistan. If they want to do it, they would go abroad. They would rather go abroad.
0: So, so in terms of day-to-day as a PhD student, you were saying, so is it not treated as a full-time job being a PhD candidate now as you are?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it, I would definitely be spending my whole day within the lab, lab, lab and doing my experiments and all that. And of course, there, there's a lot of work to do. But when you look at the bigger picture, uh, you are still treated or spoken to as a student you're not actually treated as someone who is employed or an employee of an institute definitely i am an employee i am getting paid for what for the work i do but the, first of all of course the pay is not uh, at par with other uh, countries and secondly of course uh, the uh, the fact that i am still uh, i am still actually doing my phd people would start to think that i am still a student although it is not that that the case so this is one thing that
0: happens there are you saying there's sort of not necessarily disregard for it but not as much respect for it outside of the community not necessarily in the community sort of by the people you work with everyone respects each other but is it the people who don't necessarily understand academia that that don't treat it with the regard that it should be
1: exactly exactly that's exactly my point that uh, p- people uh, actually it's more to do with uh, the level of uh, understanding people don't actually understand what a phd candidate is what a phd student is and what uh, what do we do actually until and unless we have a phd degree to show for uh, show for it people would still treat us as a student so that the, there is definitely a kind of a, I can't I won't say disregard. It would be more often uh, I mean, they don't understand. So there is more uh, ignorance, ignorance in that regard. Okay,
0: and and so you mentioned the the funding and and the ignorance. Are there sort of any other struggles you faced in in doing doing a PhD or walking working towards it?
1: Uh, no, uh overall if personally if i talk about myself my supervisor has been very helpful very supportive in every way possible i like the, the fact that i don't have any uh, that i have less funding that we overall as pakistani phd candidates have less funding as compared to our counterparts in other countries is just a flaw in the system this is something that will be not uh, an individual cannot solve that problem but the fact uh, but one thing remains is that my supervisor and my professors have always been very supportive they've always uh, shown high regard for my work and they have always uh, shown the willingness to uh, come forward and help whenever needed so this uh, I don't have any uh, major uh, blockades or barriers as far as that is concerned.
0: Is, is that quite common uh, as supervisors tend to be quite supportive in Pakistan?
1: Yes, definitely. Supervisors are very supportive and, in fact, sometimes uh, su- uh, supervisors are like parent figures. They would uh, treat you as a parent, as an elder sibling, per se, um, and they would always help you in uh, not only uh, technically, not only in academic uh, point, uh, by the academic point of view but also uh, by uh, point of view of uh, your you know personal uh, issues anything that is hindering your work is definitely something that must be addressed there and then and uh, when some and uh, there is a, uh, there is a very high level of you know uh, emotional intelligence within our people and they understand when they look at someone or when they talk to someone they would Quickly gauge that that person is facing some kind of troubles, which are not necessarily of an academic nature, and they would uh, come forward and help in uh, in a way so that their work is not affected. After all, all of this is done so that our work quality is good and our research output to the world is good.
0: So, so overall, sort of the the, the struggles that you might have faced are more systemic problems when it comes to finance and stuff, but the actual the center of academia is quite a healthy sort of working environment
1: definitely, definitely. it's it's kind of a family environment like uh, I jokingly tell uh, uh, tell my family members whenever I'm going to work that I'm actually going to my second home mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the way it
0: should be for everyone isn't it, it that, that's the perfect way that um, exactly. work should
1: be exactly like uh, I am uh, spending like uh, eight to ten hours within the lab and if it is not uh, a family environment, if it is not an uh, environment in which I'm comfortable uh, settling down, then it's, not, it's no good, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I think mean, that's actually we- something
0: very interesting because a lot of the PhD students we've spoken to um, have, well, not a lot of them, but there's, there's been some uh, who have said maybe their supervisors um, c- cannot be as, as sensitive um, and aren't as supportive as you'd like them to be. So that's very interesting to hear.
1: Yes, actually, this is kind of a, uh, a built in, that you can say it's inherent to our culture that uh, our people are quite supportive and we like to uh, work, we like to overall exist or coexist in a family kind of environment, whether it is work or that it, it, in any walk of life. So, this is something that is provided for us uh, right. so that we can do better.
0: Okay, well, I have one final question for you um and that's something we're gonna we're gonna ask all our guests now just to get to know you sort of outside of uh your your academia um and that is what book are you reading now, or what is your favorite book of all time? why sort of just let us know
1: uh, I have actually been very fascinated with harry potter no- uh, novels <laughs> i have <Me> too. Uh, <laughs> I have read them um, multiple times, uh, so yeah, that, that that is I could say that that is my favorite book series. Do you have a specific
0: I, favorite book out of the Harry Potter books?
1: Uh, that would be a very difficult question, but if I had to choose one, it would be the Order of the Phoenix.
0: Good book, very big book, but, but good book. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. The fact, the reason uh, that I chose it is because it is a big book. <laughs> <laughs> and currently I am reading a book which is known as 40 Rules of Love by a, a Turkish author known as Elif Shafak. So that is one book that I'm reading. It kind of reflects in how I write because it is quite a poetic or you can say philosophical book.
0: Well, thank you for that, um, and thank you for coming on. Um, I think it's been really interesting to get a, just a, a different perspective on academia, something that, that we, a lot of us in, in, in this community may not have had before. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to The Scientist Podcast. To catch up on more episodes, find The Scientist Podcast on Spotify, or visit www.scientist.net.